This is I Ask, They Answer on the Equine Forum on HRRN. Track Phantom and Nash as these three-year-olds turn for home. Vlad Long on the outside and Ethan Energy, and these are well clear. Three quarters and one minute 13. Point 15 seconds, it's Track Phantom who sets sail for the final furlong. Nash in full stretch. It's Track Phantom who has the kick. Nash chased the pace, then Batlong, Ethan Energy, well back to Tizzy Indy, now fifth. It is Track Phantom with Joel Rosario. Track Phantom, wire to wire in the Lacombe. One by three from Nash. Batlong was third, fourth close. Tizzy Indy with Ethan Energy who flattened out and can't group was last home in 144.73. John G. Dooley with the call of the talented track phantom who can bring Hall of Fame trainer Steve Asmussen one step closer to his first Kentucky Derby victory if he runs well in today's Risen Star. But should we be focusing on another trainer to win their first Kentucky Derby? We'll tell you all about that. Plus, is this the year for a talented three-year-old filly to take on the boys? And we'll discuss a potential Critical oversight by Naira's newly formed All-Weather Surfaces Committee. All of that ahead and much, much more on this week's edition of I Ask, They Answer with trainer Dale Romans and turf rider Tim Wilkin and all presented by the University of Louisville Equine Industry Program in the College of Business. And it all starts just 30 seconds from right now. Learn the business of horses in the world's only accredited equine business program, the University of Louisville Equine Business Program. The University of Louisville has a legacy of excellence educating and developing industry leaders for over 35 years. Classes are taught by industry experts in state-of-the-art facilities located in the heartland of America's equine industry. The University of Louisville Equine Business Program. When it comes to horses, we mean business. For more information, visit business.louisville.edu equine. All right, Dale Romans is at his base in Florida. Tim Wilkin is a little chillier. He's up in Albany, New York. And, guys, let's kick it off with this topic. The current top ten in the Derby point standings includes seven horses with trainers seeking their first Kentucky Derby victory. Todd Pletcher and Brad Cox are the only two trainers among the top ten to have their names in the Derby record books. The other seven trainers are Steve Asmussen, Ken McPeak, Joe Orsino, Butch Reed, Jose D'Angelo, Robbie Medina, and Larry Demerit. Which of those is most likely to break through on the first Saturday in May? Timmy? Mike, we got to pump the brakes on this one. We're in February, okay? And um, <laughs> I'm going to look back for a second, all right? Last year at this time, the Derby Top 10. How many of those do you think even made it to the starting gate at Churchill Downs? Do you want to ha- hazard? Either you guys want to hazard a guess. One. I have no idea. We had three. There were three of the top ten. I mean, I think it's just still way too early to think about stuff like this. But you know, to, to mention the, the trainers that you mentioned, if I was uh, to say there's one of them that's has a chance to win his first derby, I think I'd have to go with my pal Steve Asmussen because, you know, track phantom, you know, he's uh, he won the Lecomte. He's, he's in a tough field. The Brisbane Star is a tough field. There's 12 of them in there. And he's got another one in there named um, Hall of Fame, a, a million-dollar baby from Gunrunner who broke his maiden by 10 uh, the same day as the Lecomte. So I think if I was going to say – 
one of these would be the favorite to win a derby at this point, I'd say Steve, but I'm not getting excited about any of them because it's just still way too early for me. It's obviously a slow week in horse racing if we're talking about the top ten this time of year. You're right, Tim. <laughs> but uh, we got to talk about something. Yeah, you know, Steve <laughs> Steve would be your favorite on that list to, to break his maiden in the derby, but uh, Kenny's got some good stock, and both of them have run second in the derby, so they're both sitting on the – on the verge of, of winning their biggest race. and But it is a little early to start talking like that. And uh, But with Bob out, it opens the door for everybody. It does. Absolutely it does. I mean, there's there's 36 uh, prep races. There's 17 left. Um, so long, a long way to go especially when you get those 100-point races that will be coming up uh, next month or so. I know we've talked about this particular topic a couple of times now over the past few years on I Asked the Answer, but, guys, isn't it still somewhat mind-boggling that Steve Asmussen has not put the Kentucky Derby trophy on his mantle yet? Well, it's a tough thing to do. I don't care who you are. Still, you can have all the horses you want, but he's still against the rest of the world. And, uh, you know, we talked like that about Todd for a long time before he got his first win, and he reeled off, I mean, three or four. And uh, don't be surprised if Steve does the same thing sometimes, gets on a little roll. Yeah, I mean, right now, Bob. I mean, right now, Steve has had 25 horses started in the Derby, and he's had a couple of seconds. Um, you'd think it's only a matter of time before he gets one. I mean, he, has, he always certainly has a top three-year-old, but um, – you know, he's the trip. The Kentucky Derby gods have to smile on you on that first Saturday in May, and they haven't smiled on him yet. What, what does it say about the accomplishments of people like Bob Baffert and Doug O'Neill, who have in recent years won this race on a multitude of occasions? What, what does it say about their accomplishments then? The Bob thing got- is phenomenal. It's hard to explain. I don't, I don't know how he does it every year after year to win as many as he has. I mean, he's got he, his program is geared towards the. The, the three-year-olds, it's always been that way. and Yeah, but you know, everybody's is. And it, it's just, but it's, it's statistically is incredible. I mean, it's like winning 18 majors or seven Super Bowls. It's just incredible. Agreed. That's why he should be in there. And he's not. We've talked about that before. So we don't have to go down that whole rabbit hole today. Yeah, and it's not just the names like Bob Baffert and Doug O'Neill, who are multiple Kentucky Derby winners. And I, I used recent history for those two, but you think back to D. Wayne Lucas and what he accomplished with four wins. I mean, Ben Jones with six and Derby Dick Thompson with four. I mean, Sonny Jim Fitzsimmons, he has three. You, you start getting into that rarefied air. And to think about a guy like Steve Asmussen, not even having won at this point, but he's won more races than any trainer in history. To me, that is just – it makes you step back and realize how difficult it is to win the Kentucky Derby. It really is. It really is. And he's got plenty of accomplishments to hang his hat on if he never wins one. All right, let's move on to this next topic. And it, I'm going to stick with the Derby theme for just a minute for this next one. With upsets in Derby preps, such as the Holy Bull and the Sam F. Davis, coupled with the fact that Bob Baffert's three-year-olds are ineligible to compete in this year's Kentucky Derby – is this the year for a talented Philly to take their shot against the boys and try to get into the Derby field? Dale, what do you think? 
Well, it sure looks like a wide open year. And if there's, you know, I don't know who that most outstanding Philly is out there, but if, there's a, if there was a Rachel Alexander or something like that, they definitely should be taking a chance in some of these preps accumulating points. But I wouldn't wait till the last round. I'd get started pretty soon. Exactly. That's, um, you know, the since the point system was inaugurated in what, two, when the first year was 2013, there's never been a Philly that entered the Derby during during the point system era. I mean, there's only been – in the history of the Derby, only been 40. So, you know, it's not something that that, that – horsemen seem to want to do to run a Philly against the, the the Colts on the first Saturday in May when you're in that big field and you know there's all kinds of things that can happen to any horse in that but with Phillies you got to have a real special one um, I mean the, the, this year's crop of right now the three-year-old Philly I mean you look at just FYI um, after you think that she's the leader going into this this year I don't think they're the Billy Mott camp is thinking of, of uh, facing the boys in, in May. Um, yeah, and you got to get points. You just can't say, "Yeah, I want to run my horse in the Kentucky Derby." You got to have the points, and you got to have the points, and you got to run against the boys maybe more than once, unless you wait for one of those hundred-point races. But um, historically, since the point system has come around. Phillies don't run in it. The last one that won it was what winning colors in '88. So I don't, I don't think that the Phillies there will be a Philly in this in this Derby. But um, who knows? I, I just don't see it for this year. Do you guys like the way the point system is currently structured, where a Philly, if she wants to run in the Kentucky Derby, has to compete against the boys in one of those points races for the males before the Kentucky Derby? Uh, or would you like to see a scenario where maybe, I don't know, I'm kind of brainstorming here, but maybe uh, that there's an exemption for the top Philly points getter on that side of things, and even if she didn't run against the boys during the Triple Crown prep season, she could still run in the Kentucky Derby. She would have a sole exemption. Would you like to see it done like that, or do you like it the way it is now? Well, you I wouldn't know, I like want to see that. Yeah, I wouldn't want to see an exemption because that would take a spot away from a a Colt that was running in the in the prep series, and I don't think that would be fair to him. Um, if you're gonna, if you want to be a horse that uh, gets to the Kentucky Derby, I think you have to go by those rules. Everyone has to be on the same playing field. I think. You know, back in the old days, before the point system, a Philly could accumulate great stakes points and, and bump a Colt by never running against the boys. She could get in, and uh, but I always liked the conversation going into it when there was a top Philly, whether or not she would run. I sure think Rachel would have been a triple crown winner if she had run. She she was that good in a, in a, in a soft year. But uh, I don't know. I kind of miss that conversation when there's a really outstanding Philly. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it adds something to the race, and it doesn't happen often. And as Tim said, it's never happened during the points system era. Not sure if it'll happen this year, but maybe if this continues to be wide open, if we see an upset in the Risen Star again today, maybe some connections that have these top three-year-old Phillies start thinking about taking a shot down the road to see if they can get into the Derby. We'll see. Uh, That time of the show now where we say hello to our good friend Nick Zito, and you guys get to tell me if the following statement is right or wrong. Yeah, right or wrong. Am I right? What do you think? Right or wrong. Okay, this is kind of a two-part right or wrong 
segment here. So let, let's, it, but it all pertains to one topic. The New York Racing Association announced this week the formation of an all-weather surfaces committee to evaluate the impact of various racing surfaces on equine injury rates. In addition, the committee is studying the feasibility of broader adoption of all-weather surfaces nationally. The committee is comprised of several prominent racetrack executives, which includes Naira President and CEO David O'Rourke and Breeders' Cup President and CEO Drew Fleming. That's fine. But guys, I'll ask you, is it right or wrong for the committee not to include a track superintendent and a horseman's representative for those conversations? And haven't we already been down this road of installing all-weather racing surfaces at various tracks around the country? Right or wrong? What do you think? Right or wrong? Dale, you want this one first? I think you're 100% right. They should include as many people as possible. At least, Hopefully they're going to get all the data from people the people you're talking about, but horsemen's groups and uh, owners and, and superintendents should all be involved, and I feel like we have been down this road enough, and they need to look at the data of how many jockeys were seriously injured on synthetic surfaces. It was a much higher rate than on the dirt, and uh, you know, just mention Hollywood Park and Arlington Park. Those were two racetracks that went to synthetic and are long gone. Yeah, Keeneland and Delmar, too. Yep, well, they at least they saved their tracks and took them out. People don't want to bet on it. Yeah. what? Why do you think, Dale, that there was an increase in the number of jockey injuries on those surfaces? I don't know, but I believe there was a major lawsuit against uh, one of the synthetic surfaces at Arlington Park and, and was won because and, statistically it was much more dangerous. They so hit and not, they wouldn't slide or bounce or Tim, what do you think? Right or wrong on those two conversations? Those well, two I think topics. I agree with Dale. I agree with Dale on this. Um, you want to get as many eyes and ears and mouths on this subject as you can. And you know, it's all about safety. We all know that. But is synthetics uh, the wherewithal to end that? Um, I know a lot of people that play the horses can't stand the synthetic. Maybe you should get their kind of voice involved with this. Maybe you get trainers, owners, jockeys, track supers, um, veterinarians even. Um, get as many different voices to talk about this subject because it's something that uh, looks like it's, it's going to be here to stay. I mean, they're, they're installing one at, um, at, at Belmont. And, um, you know, I... I it, 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 it's for, you know, you take a race off the, off the turf, you're going to run it on the synthetic. Is it going to help uh, field size? I don't know. They say it will, some say it won't. So, you know, I've always been a, a dirt guy myself. And um, as far as injuries go, you want it to be the, as safe as possible. Is it, so some studies have said that it's more safe with the synthetic. So there's a lot of uh, things to digest here, and I think as many, if you can get as many people involved and have their say on it, as many opinions as you can get from people that put the show on and they're out there, I think that's the best thing you can do. Um, I don't think, you know, it's, it's admirable that they have they have this committee, but I think you got to get more people on it that uh, for the different factions factions of the of the sport. Dale, when the Synthetic surfaces were being installed at Keeneland and Del Mar and Arlington and all the different tracks around the country that had them at one point. 
one of the arguments that people would continue to bring up that didn't like synthetics was, hey, horses are still being injured. They're just different kinds of injuries. And they would always throw around the term soft tissue injuries. As a trainer, did you notice that as well? Yeah, it sure seemed like you get more back end problems with soft tissue injuries. But you might not have as many catastrophic, but you had a lot of injuries within your horse's careers. And, uh, you know, I think there's a place with synthetics. And maybe winter racetracks like Turfway Park has been much safer, much more successful with it. But I just don't think it should be everywhere. All right. Well, that is right or wrong. We'll bring Nick Zito back into the mix again next Saturday morning here on I Ask the Answer, as we do every week. But we have another topic to get to, and then we'll look back on the Super Bowl and a wager that was placed on this show last Saturday morning, and we'll have Dale and Tim's final thoughts of the week. But, guys, our next topic, and we always encourage listeners to email the show or hit us up on social media if they have a question they want to hear you talk about on the program, and that's exactly what Rick in Louisville has done. He sends an email and Dale, this question is for you, but Timmy, I think after Dale responds, you can weigh in from the media perspective on this too, because I think there's some interesting points. Dale, Rick wants to know, who is harder to deal with, jockeys or owners? Hmm. Well, I don't have any problem with any jockeys. I just run them off if they get on my nerves. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, jockeys are easy. And owners, I'm in a good spot with my owners. Now, I've had some bad ones in my life that were hard to deal with. But right now, I've got all good people that understand the game and are easy to deal with. Um, but, you know, you have to work your way through a lot of tough people to, before you can get to this point. But uh, it, it's you spend a lot more time talking about horses in the game with owners than you do jockeys. I just I leg them up and tell them to go. That's it. Tim, what do you think? Well, from the media's perspective, you know, talking to a jockey or an owner, even a trainer after a race, if you're talking to the winner, you got no problems whatsoever. But, you know, the, the way this sport is, it's not like you're covering baseball or football or basketball where there's a cooling off period after a competition. I mean, after a, you know, you have a trainer or jockey or an owner that gets beat by a lip at the, at the wire and all of a sudden you've got microphones and tape recorders in your face, you, you can sometimes get some very testy responses. And, you know, guys and gals might be saying stuff they would rather take back if they had a few minutes to, you know, decompress a- after a race. But, the, you know, the, I've had situations where, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you, you get some curt responses from, from all involved when they don't win, you know, as far as, as far as you know, the winners go. You'll never have a problem because that, that's obvious. But you know, walking through uh, Saratoga or Kentucky Downs or Pimlico with a jockey that just got beat and and he's ticked off, and it's not a fun conversation to have. And sometimes you don't get anything out of them. But um, I would say that uh, yeah, when they win, they're great. When they lose, sometimes not so great. Tammy, who's the worst? Do I have to mention them? Yeah, I want the name. Well, I don't know if I'm going to mention any names here, but I think all of there's been a whole bunch of them that have been bad at some point. Come on, I Jimmy. Know I know who it is. Tell me. Tell the people. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, the thing Dale you're of what, no. no, Dale, listen, no, you, no. you've always been fantastic with the media. And, you know, I, I say Brad Cox is the same way now, right? Brad is always yeah. more than accommodating, yeah. even if he's super busy. And there are, there are so many people in the game that are like that. And it's rare that you get 
a jockey, an owner, a, a trainer, a breeder. If you get somebody that's not accommodating or they're kind of standoffish, that's rare. But as Tim pointed out, after losing a big race like that or any race, it, it can happen. Emotions run high. Have, have, would you like to see a bit of a cooling off period, Dale, where trainers or owners or jockeys get a few minutes to step back and then start answering questions? Hell no. I want to put them under, put us under the fire right away. You get to get the true response. Don't let them think about it. It's more fun that way. But, you know, you talk about me and Brad. See, we're both South Louisville raised, so that's how we act in South Louisville. <laughs> well, I remember there was a time several years ago um, – Angel Cordero was really ticked off. It might have been after, geez, it might have been after, I think it's, he did, when he won the Travers, was that with Chief? Did he win the Travers with Chief's crown? Does that sound right? I don't know. Maybe. But he, he won the Travers, I, 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 but he, I, I, after, after, back in those days, they brought the jockey up to the press box and they had the uh, press conference up there. And, um, Afterwards, Cordero came over to my desk and apologized for being such, uh, as he called it, a jerk, but he didn't use that word, through, through the week because he said he was under so much pressure. Um, you know, I'm sure he, yeah, he was real happy that he won. He, I'm sure he wouldn't have come over. He wouldn't have said anything to me if he had lost. But, you know, the, the intense pressure that these guys are under to, uh, to win is, uh, you know, it, it can wear on you. And it's... I think it's the same thing for trainers when you got these, you know, high-profile horse that's uh, running in a high-profile race for a high-profile owner. It, it, it can uh, it can wear on you. And even I can even only my, remember uh, one time. Go ahead. I, mean, I, was say, I can only remember one time I I got a little testy with a reporter, and I wish I remember who it was. I'd apologize to him. It was after the Derby when I thought Kent Sarmo pulled up on Patty Parado when we got nailed on the wire for second. And uh, I remember she asked me, she said, we got to be happy. I said, happy? How am I happy? He just cost me $40,000. Easing up on my horse, and I kind of snapped and walked off. And I always wanted to find and remember who that was and apologize. Were you more ticked well, out at the listening. reporter who asked the question or Kent DeSormo? I was mad at Kent, but it, it came with it bled over into the reporter. Well, you just apologized if, the, if that reporter right. listening. If she got her apology. If they're listening, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I don't think you ever got ticked off at me for anything, did you? Mm, only for beating me in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Interesting you should bring that up, Dale Romans, because that was the case one week ago where we made our Super Bowl predictions and you stepped out on a limb and said, okay, I'm going to wager dinner at the Kentucky Derby, if I get beat, I will buy dinner for the winner. Well, looks like you're going to be buying dinner. It's dinner on Dale during Derby week because Tim was all over this one. I'm not going to go against Patrick Mahomes, and, and I believe he's getting points, so I'll take him all day. But, Timmy, not only did you did you pick the right team, you picked the right quarterback, and it played out exactly like you thought it might. Well, I don't think I did anything nostradamically here because, <laughs> I mean, th this guy is, has been doing it his whole career. Um, you know, I don't think that uh, anyone should think that uh, <laughs> I'm all of a sudden an expert on the NFL because I picked Patrick Mahomes to win the Super Bowl. He, that's just what he does. Mm, yeah, it's but like picking secretariat. That was bad officiating, blame the referees. I should have won, but uh, wait, wait, I will wait, pay. Why, why, why are you blaming the referees? Because i got to blame somebody. I can't be wrong. Uh, <laughs> and 
But I will say, I will take Tim to dinner. He can pick between Big Mac or Whopper, or we can go get a Frosty at Wendy's, whichever one he wants. So you're really going on the cheap now, huh? They went from dinner to fast food uh, drive through No, I know what you like. No, I don't like that stuff. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tim, I, I tried to get him to bring you to Tony's in Lexington, if you can do it that way. Tony's is a great place. I, I think I, you, I blew it when I was supposed to meet you there, and I didn't go. Yep, yep. You know, I've never eaten there, but I would like to try it. I know, uh, I know Tony used to work for Jeff Ruby, so they got to be pretty similar. But uh, I would take you there. I'd try that one. Yeah, Tony's is tremendous. Good, good people, too. We'll, we'll have to do that one night, Dale. We'll get together at Tony's and – We'll get Timmy in town, and we'll uh, we'll do that. We'll we'll go to Tony's and have a nice dinner and celebrate Tim's Super Bowl victory with the Kansas City Chiefs, who pulled it off. And what a great game that was! Pulled it off in overtime, and uh, again, like picking Secretariat to win when you pick Patrick Mahomes, he just keeps doing it time and time again. All right, we're just about out of time, so let's do it, guys. It is time for your final point of the week. Timmy, why don't you kick it off for us this week? Well, the Belmont Stakes tickets went on sale. Uh, this pat this week and right now, all of the uh, Belmont Stakes Day seating is sold out at Saratoga, which is no surprise I don't think to anybody. I mean, if people still want to go, there's still limited um, general admission tickets uh, for the four day package as well as single days. I mean, if you want to if you want to get to Saratoga, you better buy your tickets now through Ticketmaster because it is going to be sold out. And you get to June, you're going to be out of luck. So. You are warned. I don't have a lot to say, but I want to know how much Naira's paid Timmy for that advertisement uh, on our radio show. <laughs> and uh, But I am going to say one good thing about losing dinner to Timmy is, remember, I don't drink, so I don't like people drinking around me, so there's no wine ordered. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love we'll, it. We'll, get to, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. <laughs> right. I love it. Dale, Tim, we're going to do this all over again next week, guys. Really appreciate it. All right, fellas. Talk Thanks. to you next week. Thanks, Bye. Dale. Bye-bye. Right, enjoy the weekend. If you have a topic you want to hear Dale and Tim discuss, email that topic to us. You can email the show directly, Mike at horseracingradio.net, and you can post it on our social media pages at HRRN on Twitter, Horse Racing Radio Network on Facebook, and we will work those questions into the show for you. I Ask the Answer is presented every week by the University of Louisville Equine Industry Program in the College of Business. I'm back with more. This is the Equine Forum on the Horse Racing Radio Network, where racing comes to talk.